How many of you guys are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath? Uh, how many of you guys are winners? Well, Y'all had to hesitate on that one. I said, how many of you guys are winners? How many of you guys are victorious? How many of you guys are overcomers? How many of you guys got more than enough? How many of you guys uh, have received God's love in your life? How many of you guys are excited about God's love in your life? I'm just trying to figure out where I'm at now because I, I could have sworn last time I checked that I was at World Changers Church, Houston, where God is alive and grace is sufficient. And, amen. Well, again, now we're going to try it again. So welcome to World Changers Church, Houston. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're glad that you guys made it out on tonight, and we're uh, just continuing on uh, building upon what we've been talking about, um, about having a marriage made by one. And like we said a million times, this is not just for married couples, but just really for, for anybody, because at any point in time, you're going to be in relationships, and especially for those of us who are married, uh, how many of you guys know the enemy has had an all-out attack on marriages, and I think he's amped it up year after year after year. Uh, and then the body of Christ, uh, that's where we're seeing the majority of divorces and, and issues and domestic violence and just all these kind of things that you would think would be seen out in the world, we're seeing right in the church. And so uh, I appreciate the fact that God has given us liberty to take our midweek services and really dive into subject matter that helps us do what we need to do and be who we need to be to be successful in our relationships. Now, tonight we're beginning a, a new topic on this series, dealing with love. Uh, how many of you guys know we just talked about peace, right? And we're still kind of talking about peace on Sundays, but now I want to talk about love. And it's kind of cool because after we get done kind of talking about love, the next thing we're going to talk about is happiness. Amen? Somebody say peace, love, and happiness. I know it's a song, but I mean, or, you know, some lyrics to the song, but, you know, hey, it's just how it worked out. But, but it, you know, that's what most people are looking for when they get married or get into relationships. They're looking for peace, they're looking to be loved, and they're looking for happiness, Correct. And we've talked about peace, uh, but now I want to dive into love. And the, the title of this message or this per portion of the series is What's Love Got to Do With It? Now, you know, I don't know about you, but as soon as I hear that, there's a particular song that comes to mind and even more so a particular movie that comes to mind starring Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne. Um, and uh, I don't know if you recall it, but I remember, oh, I think that was released in the early 2000s or something like that, uh, that movie came out, and you have Tina Turner, Angela Bassett playing Tina Turner. Um, Tina Turner came up with the hit single, What's Love Got to Do With It, and this movie uh, kind of chronicles uh, her life, and especially her tumultuous marriage uh, to then her husband, Ike Turner. And it shows the, the highs and the lows, mostly the lows, the abuse verbally and physically and emotionally that Tina Turner had to suffer. Um, and a lot of it, as I was sitting there watching it as a newly married person, uh, I too came up with the same question. You know, I'm sitting there watching this and I'm saying, wow, this woman literally lived through this and yet it's from a man who supposedly loves her. When you go down to the altar and you make those vows, you sit there and you talk about what we're going to do for one another, what we're going to be for one another, and trust me, no one gets married to be abused. 
No one gets married to be jumped on or cussed out. No one gets married to get divorced. Often, however, those things very well happen. And I sat there in that theater, and, and even, uh, even recently as I was studying for this message, I sat there and wondered, how does couple after couple, individual after individual, end up falling into these same traps, these same temptations, these same issues? Uh, I sat there and said, is love literally not enough? And then very quickly, I was reminded of a fact of love and what love truly is. As a Christian and as a believer, we have to always be careful to not let the world define things for us, but to let the word define things for us. Amen? So when you see something and, and something begins to happen on the inside of you, you begin to question, like, what is, what is going on? Is love not enough? What's happening? Uh, pause, and then go and see what the word has to say about it. So I begin to dive into a study on just love. And one of the first scriptures that I came across, I want you to turn there with me, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. Now as you're turning there, again, back to that movie, Tina Turner went through all this uh, turmoil and all these issues, and it wasn't ironically or oddly enough, not ironically, but oddly enough, she originally had spent time in the church, and even though she had spent time in the church, she still went through these things that she went through. And something interesting happened, I, I believe she became, I think it was a Buddhist uh, later on uh, in her life, and, and that's where she found kind of peace. And I thought that was so interesting, and, and this is a point I'm supposed to make later, but it's just popping up my head now. I thought it was so interesting that although church was there and religion was there, religion was not enough to anchor her in what she needed. And there's something I want to stick in your mind and want you to hold on to throughout this entire message and really throughout this entire series, that when it comes to being successful in any relationship on earth, religion will do nothing for you. It is only a true relationship with God that will make you successful in everyday living. It's not enough just to go to church. It's not enough just to sing in a choir. It's not enough just to give, in, uh, you know, whatever in the offering. It's not enough to do all the dues. You have to know the one who has made you. God, who is love, is what is required if we're going to be successful in everyday living. And as I watched that movie and I sat and said, Lord, you know, why wasn't it enough that she had church in the beginning? He said, church is not enough. He said, they have to know me. And as they know me, then they'll be able to enjoy the manifestation of all of who I am. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14, and we'll come back to that thought in a moment. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, let's read this together. Ready? Read. Let all your things be done with what? Let all your things be done with charity. Now, we understand that in the King James Version, the word charity also means what? Love. In the New International Version, it says this very simply, and I, I love this version because it's nice and to the point. It says, do everything in love. Do everything in love. Four very simple words, but ever so powerful. Now here's a command to all of us that Paul's writing to the church of Corinthian specifically. He's saying everything you do, do it how? Everything you do, 
do it in love. The Amplified says it this way. Let everything you do be done in love. True love. Somebody say true love. To God and man as inspired by God's love for us. Everything you do, do it in love. But as you're doing this in love, there's something called true love. So this is not love that man makes up. This is not love that religion makes up. This is true love. And true love has an aim. True love is not aimed towards you. True love is not about how you can benefit. True love is not about how you can succeed. True love is not about how you can get over. True love is not how you can be safe. True love is about you aiming your attention towards God and towards your fellow man. True love is never going to be about us. True love is always going to put others first. Now somebody says, that sounds very good, but, but you don't understand the situations I'm going through and the, the things that are happening in my life. Uh, see, that's the issue that we have, again, with our relationship with love is we, we instead of sticking to what the Word says, we forget that last part. It says, as inspired by who? My love for God and my fellow man is not inspired by my circumstances. If my love for my fellow man and God is inspired by my circumstances, then I will turn that love into a selfish love and will begin to self-love. Because my circumstance says keep that money. My circumstance says defend yourself. My circumstance says fight back. My circumstance will tell me to protect me, but when I am inspired by God's love for me, his love sacrificed. I said his love gives. For God so loved the world that he... I, I don't know how God loves our child. I hear what you're saying, but this is too deep. I don't know how he loves. Oh, make it real simple. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Love gives. Love does, not, love does not take, love does not demand, love does not make it happen for itself. Love simply gives. But I don't know how to love her. I don't know how to love him. Give. Give what? Give whatever. But when you give, give your best. Because for God so loved the world that he gave his only but that scripture is just about salvation. What that, what's love got to do with it? Love's got everything to do with it. He gave, and he gave his only begotten son. It was the only son that he had. So true love gives, and true love gives all and only what it has. But here's the other part. He gave his only begotten son that who? Whosoever. True love is for everyone from you. I can't say I'm walking in true love, but I only give it to you, but not to them. I only give it to the, to the guys. I give them respect and honor, but if I work with a female, and, and then, then I treat her a little less. Or I'm cool, I'm cool to give true love to my black people, but, you know, to the white folk, I don't, don't want to, no, no, they, get, they just get this. 
You ain't got to say amen. <laughs> I'm going to only give it to my spouse when they do me right and when they treat me right, but when they treat me wrong, they don't get it. When my kids do everything that I tell them to do and clean up exactly how I tell them to clean up, that's when they'll get love from me because to give them love when they're doing wrong is to teach them wrong. No, that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. People, if you're going to love with true love, it should be inspired, directed, patterned off of what God did. And he gave his best to everybody, no matter how they were acting. And you and I sit here today enjoying the benefits of that love because it had no conditions on it. That's why we call it unconditional love. True love is unconditional. And that's why I said you can't be inspired by the circumstances or the condition in your life and think you're going to walk in true love. No, that's going to cause your love to become conditional. Now, hear the balance of what I'm saying. Remember what I started off by saying in the beginning. We're not talking about you're getting abused and you're just supposed to suck it up. That ain't love. Love your neighbor as yourself. You, got to, you, you, you do need to understand that God's not saying you're supposed to let somebody go upside your head or go upside your emotions and all this type of stuff on a regular basis. Can I get an amen? We talked about this before, earlier on in this series. We are not advocates of abuse. I said we are not advocates of abuse. Somebody said, well, you ain't got to say that. We know, oh, you better believe we got to say that. Because I can't tell you how many women have walked into our offices or have gotten with us on the phone over the years and said, this is the fourth church that I've been to and you're the first church that didn't make me feel bad because I was abused and beaten and kicked and spit on and all this type of stuff and I left my husband and you encouraged me in the Lord versus condemning me. You're the first church that's ever done that. I don't understand how you can call yourself a minister or a pastor of the word of God who is love and sit up there and convince somebody to stay in abuse. That's just foolish. Let me reel my emotions in on that. <laughs> but that's just dumb. I don't understand that. We have a responsibility to help people understand what love is. Not allow the enemy to pervert that and then use religion to trap people into bondage. Love is freeing. And if you think you're doing love, but you feel like you're trapped and in bondage, I need you to back up and reevaluate, is that really love? Amen? So true love is inspired by God's love for us. If I'm going to operate in this love, then I have to look at how did God do it. But again, do everything how? In love. As a Christian, everything I do, I do it in love. Somebody throw out some stuff that you do on a daily basis. You say, what, go to work? Huh? Yeah, go to work. So what, how, how should I go to work? Don't be mad at me because that's what the word said, in love. <laughs> how do I go to work? I go to work in love. What else? Huh? Drive? Yeah, I got to drive in how? I mean, I can't be flipping everybody off when I'm driving down the street. That ain't love. 
It was this finger, see? <laughs> but you don't understand, it cut me off. Now, I do everything how? In love. What else? What's something else you do? Speak to people. I got to speak to people in love. Somebody say communicate. Yeah, that has to be done in love. Now, we're talking about your external voice and your internal voice. Amen. Somebody say, no, it don't matter. Just, it's just my thoughts. Now, remember, Jesus talked to, uh, he was talking to, I think, the Pharisees or the Sadducees, and they were asking him about, you know, uh, catching somebody in adultery and da-da-da-da, and is it a sin? And he said, listen, it's not only a sin if you do it with your body, but if you even think about a woman. He, he, he went to the fact that it, even how you think has to be in line if you're going to live this life we're talking about. So yeah, so my external voice and my internal voice, when it comes to how I speak, it, it needs to be in love. What else? Cooking, cleaning. That, that sounds like a mama talking to her kids. <laughs> but yeah, my, my chores, my things I do, all these daily things, I should be doing these things in love. Why? Because God, who is love, is my father, and if I'm going to be disciplined in love and live a life of love, I need to practice love. Oh yeah. Holy Spirit's on the inside of you, and we're going to see this in a moment, but that just because he's in there don't mean that's what's coming out. It should be, and it can be, but you have to make a conscious decision to let him. You have to choose his ways and choose to make him Lord of your life and choose to let him guide you. And that means that you have to make up your mind and set your mind to what this scripture says. Everything I do has to be in love. And once I set my mind to in love for everything I do, now I have the motivation to go and receive all the love I need to walk in it. Some of us have blocked off parts of our lives and said, well, well that's just going to be my part. <laughs> this is just how I am. And you need to make the Holy Spirit Lord of that part of your life as well. Somebody say something to you just the wrong way, and you're just like, but that's just how I am. They're just going to have to understand. They're just going to have to, no, no, no. you got to understand that that's a, that's a trap. And the enemy will work overtime to exploit that in your life. But don't beat yourself up. That's not what we're here to do. What we're here to say is, is in every area of your life, it's time to start practicing walking in love. So everything I do should be done How? In love. Okay, let's, let's keep moving. Now, here's what's interesting about doing everything in love. I can only do what I know. I can only do what I know. I can only do what I know. Well, how do you know that? All right, well, somebody come up here and open up this speaker and rewire it to work with all four speakers at one time. Come do that right now. Well, why aren't you doing it? I don't know how. Now, if I went and studied and went to school or whatever like that, I can do what I know to do. Many people struggle walking in love because they don't know how to. It's not that they don't want to. I've talked to many husbands and also many wives who struggle in walking in love in their marriages, and as we dig deeper and deeper and deeper, we start finding out, oh, you've never seen love modeled before you. 
You've only seen religion, or you've only seen condition, or you've only seen hatred, or you've only seen meanness, or you've only seen strictness, and, and you've never experienced true agape, unconditional love, and so you can't do what you don't know. I can only do what I know. I can only share what I have. I can only share what I have. Now, here's the good news. Inside of your spirit, you have the full measure of God who is indeed love. But here's a challenge for many people, and especially many believers. They don't really understand, number one, that he's there, and number two, who he is. And that is one of the, if not the biggest deception of Satan, is to make you think you don't have full, unconditional agape love living on the inside of you. So if in my mind I don't think I have love, I cannot share what I don't have. Many of our, how can I say this, Holy Spirit? A lot, for, for a lot of us, love has been blanketed with pain. All the hurt, all the issues, all the letdown from the past is covering your mind, separating your soul from your spirit in the sense that you won't allow love to be all that it is because you hurt so much. So when, it's, when it comes time to do everything in love to communicate to that spouse or to those children or to that coworker or to that person on the street to, to express and radiate the love of God to them, there's a disconnect because you can't share what you don't connect to and already have access to on the inside of you. And I pray today, I pray tonight that you reconnect with the love of God on the inside of you. I pray tonight that you're healed from the inside out. I pray tonight that your soul is renewed and that your mind is mended and healed and you have peace and that you are reconnected to all of who God is on the inside of you. You deserve it. You don't have to earn it. You're worth it. You were worth it so much that Jesus went up on that cross and shed his blood and gave his life just so you could have pure unconditional, never-ending, never-failing love. He gave his life so you can have it. And I pray that you experience the fullness of it on tonight. Amen? Amen. So I can only do what I know. I can only share what it is I have. And number three, I can only operate in what I understand. I can only operate in what I, what I understand. Because see, somebody said, wow, this, this got real technical real quick. Absolutely, and all that getting, get understanding. I want you to practically be able to know how to operate in the love of God. It's not good enough for me to get up here and shout and scream and, and make you excited about how much he loves you and that you can love, and then you walk out of here and you go home and you get cussed out, and then you're trying to figure out, now, how do I love? Because I'm about to cuss him back out. As a matter of fact, I think I'm about to cuddle. No, I want you to be able to understand and break down when somebody's attacking you and coming at you. First of all, you will have the understanding that what I am seeing and witnessing is not hatred towards me. I am seeing and witnessing somebody who has a disconnect with love. So before I respond, let me see this anger for what it is. They're afraid. 
Remember that all anger comes from fear. It's a fact. It's not sometimes, it's all the time. Anytime somebody is angry, they're afraid. Start, start, start practicing this in your, in your own personal life. When you get upset, stop and pause and say, what am I afraid of? Kids come home late. You get on them. Well, how come? Well, I'm afraid you'd be out there and something could happen to you. Husband cuts you off and, and, and won't let you finish the sentence. Well, 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 why are you angry? Well, because I'm afraid that you're not going to give me a voice. It always, a lot of the times, leads back to this fear, and we have to begin to learn to, to see that and, and address that so that we begin to operate not from a place of anger in the sense of fear, but from a place of love. So when somebody comes at you and they're angry and they're upset and they're going off and this, that, and the other, take a step back first and see this for what it is. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you and begin to understand how to be a love operator. You are a child of God and love is on the inside of you. And you're going to encounter people on a daily basis who need what you got. And the first place you're going to encounter that is at home. I said, the first place you're going to encounter that is at home. Somebody said today. The first place you're going to encounter that is at home. Somebody said in the parking lot. The first place you're going to encounter that is at home. That's going to be your first ministry and opportunity to do everything in love. And I'm telling you on tonight, you can only operate in what you understand. And you have to understand that what you're looking at is not normal. That person's in fear, that person's in anger, that person may be enraged, and there may be some other stuff also operating in that. So the first thing you got to do is step back and see the child of God in front of you. I appreciate that amen right there, amen. Because that's who they are, correct? I said that's who they are, correct? I didn't say were they acting like a child of God. Actually... They kind of are. Children throw fits. I'm going to say this, and I hope it's not too deep for you, because something just popped in my heart when I was saying a child of God. God's children are not called to be perfect. If we were called to be perfect, we wouldn't need a Savior. So by default, a child of God may on occasion make mistakes. So to look at a child of God is not to say I'm looking at a perfect person who acts just like God. It is to say I'm looking at a person who is flawed, I'm looking at a person who is broken, I'm looking at a person who has issues, but I'm looking at a person who has a covenant. I'm looking at a person who has a savior. I'm looking at a person who has a God, a provider. I'm looking at a person who is my brother or sister, and they have just as much right to him as I do, so the last thing I want to do is come against my brother or my sister because they're just like me. We're flawed, we're imperfect, but grace has saved us, and as a result, we're both children of God. See, that's what being in a love mindset will cause you to do. It'll cause you to humble yourself and to see things the way God sees them and to see things the way they truly are. And all of a sudden, this person that is standing in front of you, cussing you out or going off on you or whatever like that, looks differently to you all of a sudden. And so now your response begins to change. You may see that person acting out 
all this pain and hurt and have compassion on them and simply just walk away. You may see this person acting out and the Holy Spirit may instruct you to just give them a hug, even though they've called you everything but a child of God yourself. You may see this person acting out in all this pain and, and through your understanding of how to operate in love, you may just speak words of peace over their lives. You may see this coworker who's tried to lie on you, who's tried to get you fired and everything else, and God may tell you to love them and sow a seed into their lives. You have to understand love if you want to operate in love. And in order to operate in love, you will have to see things the way God sees them. And you will have to see God's children for who they really are. Because guess what? You're a child of God with your special self too. Amen? I mean, you guys know everybody got an issue. And just because you happen to be the mature one in the room at the moment don't mean you're going to be the mature one tomorrow. It's tight, but it's right. I can't tell you how many times I've been, you know, the mature one and the, and, the, and the one that's supposedly in the right at the moment, and five minutes later, I'm the one acting a fool because just the right button was pushed or just the right situation came up, and now I need somebody to, guess what, love me. But if I am doing this inspired off of how God says, when you're weak, I got you. When I'm weak, you got me. And guess what? We're both operating in the grace and the love of God. Somebody said, what love got to do with it? Love has everything to do with it if you're going to be successful. I made a note here that our goal as believers is to know love, who is God, to have love, and to understand love. So again, back to that movie, What's Love Got to Do With It? I, I, like I said earlier, it's not about religion. It's truly about a relationship with him. And as I develop in my relationship with God, I stop saying, what has love got to do with it as it relates to my marriage or any other relationships? And instead I say, what has love already done with it? Not what does love got to do with it. What has love already done with it? What has love already done for me? Here's what love has done for each and every one of us. Number one, love has forgiven us. Love has forgiven you in spite of your issues, in spite of your shortcomings, in spite of your failures. Love has forgiven you for your sins, past, present, and future. In Hebrews, he said, I will remember their sins how often? No more. That's what love did for you. Love has also cleansed you. Love has also washed you. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you. The Word of God washes your mind and renews it. Love has given you peace. Love has made you whole. Love has also made you righteous. Now, what does it mean to be righteous? Somebody yell it out at me. Yeah. If you, if you didn't know what that means, just look at the first, what, four letters or five letters? Right. I am right with God. Not because of what I've done, but because of what love did for me. Love has made me righteous. Love has given me a way back to the Father. So love has forgiven me. Love has cleansed me. Love has washed me. Love has made me whole. Love has made me righteous, and love has given me a way back to himself, the Father. 
Now, if love has done all that for me, guess what? I don't have a lot to be upset about. It is in remembering and reminding myself of what love has done that I gain encouragement, that I gain uh, excitement, that I have joy. Joy is all about what you know. So in the face of circumstances, in the face of nutty stuff happening to you on a regular basis, you back up and you fall back into love and remind yourself, I'm forgiven, I'm cleansed, I'm washed, I'm made whole, I'm at peace, I'm righteous, I have a way back to the Father, all is well in my life. Why? Because love has made it so. So there's nothing you can do to knock me off of this fact that I am full of, surrounded by, and enveloped in love. And because I trust in God who is love, I know everything will be okay in my life. And it is in that assurance that all of a sudden my thinking begins to be calm and at ease. And therefore my words, my decisions, my actions follow. You wonder, why do I keep flying off the handle? Why do I keep tripping out? I know they're talking about walking in love, but I, I seem to struggle in doing that. You're only struggling to walk in love because of your relationship with love is a little fragile. It's a little broken. It's a little spotty. You're still looking at the circumstances and you're not really trusting in God who is love. You're not anchoring your soul to the fact that all is well in your life because of what Jesus did on that cross. And when circumstances happen, your attention goes to those circumstances and instead of being assured of the fact that all is well. Jesus went to sleep in the bottom of that boat because he knew all was well. He didn't worry about the wind and the waves. He understood who his father was. He understood that all was well with him. He understood that nothing on earth or even in heaven could touch him because of the DNA running through him. He knew who his daddy was. And therefore, he knew his identity and he knew his authority. So when the, but, but the disciples didn't. You can see a, a direct contrast to him and them. He sleep. They're up freaking out. I think it's interesting that he was not asleep on top in the boat. He was down in the boat. He was where he couldn't even see the storm. Some of us spend too much time sitting staring at our circumstances and then wonder why we believe more in the problem than in the promise of God. You're going to have to learn how to turn around, walk away, go somewhere else where you can't even see the problem no more. I don't told you that over and over again. Stop reading these crazy text messages from people. Stop reading these crazy posts. Stop reading all this little stuff and then wonder why you're freaking out and why your emotions are all over the place because you're staring at the storm. Quit staring at the storm and get your eyes on your Savior. What has he already said about you? That's all anchored and based in his love for you. And the more you focus on that, the stronger you'll be in your walk with him. If you understand that, say amen. So as a child of God who lives under grace, no longer under the law, if I'm going to operate in love, I need to see love from the new covenant point of view. Go with me to James chapter 2, verse 8, and let's look at what the New Testament says about love in an umbrella or overarching sense. James 2.8 kind of gives us the synopsis for a believer in how we should operate with love. It says in the Amplified, if indeed 
you really fulfill, what does that say? The royal law. Now, if you have a regular Bible, you can underline that or highlight it. You really fulfill the, loyal, the royal law in accordance with the scripture. Well, what's the royal law? You shall love your neighbor as you what? Love yourself. If you do that, then you do well. Now, let's go to, what this, uh, let's go to Matthew 22. You'll see Jesus when he, originally, when he originally said this. Matthew 22, verse 36. And let's look at this in the uh, King James Version. Matthew 22, 36, it says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? So Jesus is in front of a group of folks, and as they often did, they would try to test him or trip him up, being that he was supposed to be the king and the representative of God. They're like, well, let's see if we can get him to talk against the law of God, which is indeed perfect. So they were asking him, what's the greatest commandment in the law. Now, the premise of the question or the question itself is already flawed because we understand that to break one of the laws is to be guilty of them all. So there is no greatest law in the old covenant. They're all equally important. But they said, Master, which is, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus has always, has always had an answer. Verse 37, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Verse 38. This is the what? First and great commandment. Verse 39. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt, here's that royal law of love, love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 40. On these Two commandments do what? Hang all the laws and the prophets. Now, you got to understand when he's saying the laws and the prophets, he's not talking about just physical paper laws and then a bunch of prophets that you just put up on a thing and hang up on a thing. What he's referring to is he's saying, on these things hang the Old Testament. The Old Testament is known as uh, the first, I think it's the first five books is, is considered laws and, the, and the, the Pentateuch and the laws. And then you have Isaiah, Jeremiah and all those books that are known as the prophets. So he's saying, put the word all on these two things. You can hang it all on this. You can, have, you can know all that scripture, but it all boils down to two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So you can almost imagine a hanger that says love, and you can hang the entire Bible off of that. You take love off, everything falls apart. You take love out, nothing else works. And this was his answer. And so we have to pay attention to this as believers who are under the new covenant and say, wait a minute. Even though I'm under grace, I'm not without law. I am under a law. It's the royal law of love. I'll say that again. As believers, you are no longer under the Old Testament law, but there is still a law that governs our life. And it is known as the royal law of love. That I love God, but that I also love my neighbor 
as myself. As a child of God, I am commanded to love. You see, it's not enough just to say I'm saved by grace through faith. That is very true. That is your entryway. But now that you're in the house, now it's time to live. Many believers, many Christians spend all their time walking in and out of the door. Getting right to the door painting. Oh, thank you, Jesus, I made it in. Thank you, Jesus. He's like, okay, get in. Come on. Now we got to live. Now you gotta, you're going to have to interact with people. Now you're going to have to wake up. Now you're going to have to do, you know, you're going to have to live your life. And as you live that life, live it in love. Why? Because I need them to experience me through you. Don't get it twisted. Jesus was saying this is the royal law of love, but it goes right hand in hand with the great commandment, or the great, sorry, the great commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What's the gospel? It's the good news. It's the fact that Jesus died on the cross, and as a result of God's love, you, are now have, you now have the ability to be saved. He's saying, take this love that I've placed on the inside of you, go out to this world, radiate that love, share that love, show that love, do good to all men, put them first, sacrifice for them, and then show them what my kids really look like so they'll want to be down and become one of my kids too. That's why the enemy's working overtime in the church to promote selfishness. Because then when the world sees us, they don't see God. Instead they see, I hate to say it, but Satan. I don't want to go to church. Why do a lot of people say they don't want to go to church? I don't want to deal with them fake Christians. I'm believing for the day that that little saying goes away because there's so many of us radiating God's love. Can I put a charge? Can I, can I, can I put a statement out here? I mean, without you personally taking it as a hit home. But a lot of those people, what they're saying is true. There are so many Christians just trying to get theirs. There are so many. I mean, we, we talk a good talk. But when the rubber meets the road and we got to come together to actually be grace in action, you, know, you got to understand, I got bills. You got to understand, you, you got to know what's going on in my life. When is the church going to help me? Asking me to volunteer and do something, asking me to give towards this, asking me to help somebody. What, I, I need somebody to pay my rent. Here you are, a child of God, a child of the king who has saved you, who has rescued you, who has delivered you, who has given you peace, who has put himself on the inside of you. You got all knowledge, you got all understanding, you got all wisdom, you got all healing, you got everything you need. Please don't take this personally, but stop being lazy and get in a relationship with him so you can get your life together and then we can get out here and help them. Oh, but see, don't nobody want to hear that. They leave the church because of that. I want somebody to tell me that it's going to be all right. I'm telling you, it's been all right. 
But you've been sitting up under these trifling preachers who have sit up here and telling you over and over again that you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to do this and you got to give that. And then as you do all of this, then you're going to get this magical money bag that's going to fall into your lap. And I'm telling you, that ain't how it works. You got the wisdom of God on the inside of you. And he will give you witty ideas. He will give you inventions. He will cause you to get out there and with all that love on the inside of you, find yourself in several situations that will be not only profitable to others, but it will be profitable to you. Everybody wants somebody who's full of love working for them, and everybody wants to work from somebody who's full of love. Money ought not be a problem for a believer because you just got so much love going on. You got so much unconditional help and service and sacrifice coming out of you. Think about it. Some of the biggest, big, not some of, the biggest products in the world are products that help people. Anybody that tells you about starting a business, they say just find something that people need. But we forget that. It, all, that all that principle says is go love people. Go love people. Find a service that people need. Serve them. Uber, I need a ride. We just came back from a trip. We, we, instead of getting a rental car, we just Ubered. Paid somebody to drive us somewhere. You couldn't do that a few years ago. Instead, you had to pay almost triple, plus the gas, plus take your time to drive. But now you can just, with the phone app, schedule your ride for a third of the price and none of the hassle. Somebody came up with an idea to make it easier for people, but it requires somebody to get in a car and inconvenience themselves by driving you from one place to another. Because the convenient thing for them to do would just be to sit at home. Right? But their work, their job, that whole business, that whole thing is built off of, let me sacrifice my time. Somebody said, but you get paid for it. Stop being deep. Let me put myself to the side in order to provide a service for somebody else. But then in the church, we don't lost that somehow. We're waiting to be served. This ought to be the core of service. And there's just a lot of Christians that I've come to the conclusion just ain't going to like me because I'm not going to put up with the immature attitude that just says, I'm waiting for you to serve me. You've been saved for 35 years. And there are baby Christians out there hurting and dying. There are people who don't even know him, who need what's on the inside of you. You can reach them in a way I never will be able to. And you have this love, and it's swelling now on the inside of you. And because you can't figure out how to use it for your benefit, you just sit on it. Just look straight ahead. We won't know as you. That's what I'm, I'm convinced in the body of Christ because people have yet to be able to figure out how to manipulate God's love for themselves. They just sit on it. We try, don't we? If I, if I, if I give this way, if I, if I act this way, if I do the, all this performance, all this thing to try to get his love to work for your behalf without re realizing that when Jesus went on that cross, it all worked for you, period. 
And that's why you've been sitting in church for all these years without seeing your breakthrough. Because you've broken through. You can't break through all, no more. I mean, he, he died once. How many more breakthroughs are you looking for? You broke through. It's, it's good. You're good. Now, now let's go. But I need money. You'll have the money when you start serving. Well, what do you mean? I, the money ain't for you. The money's for them. And as you get in line with his will for your life and go start serving them, he will give the money to you. It's called provision. It's for what he sees for your life. And when you start doing what he sees for your life, he will give you what you need. You'll be rich, but you'll be rich to serve them. But you get to enjoy being rich, but it's to serve them. You have the car, you have the house, you have the whatever. You have whatever it is you need for his will in your life. But you've got to know his will for your life. I know we spend years teaching and talking about this, that, and the other for the car and the house and, the, and, the, and, and, and you, you believe in God for a plane. And what, you, why you, oh Jesus, why you believe in God for a plane and you won't even get up and go around a corner and serve him? Somebody like, I'll get back to the scripture. I'm in the scripture. <laughs> we are not going to build another religious organization that's going to cripple the body of Christ for the next 50 years. We're going to get it right this time. And we're going to build a body, or we're going to be a body, sorry. We're going to be a body that goes out and serves in love. Not sits in church. We will serve in love, not just sit in church. We will serve in love, not just sit in this doggone physical building. I thank God for this place, but it's where we come to hear the truth and then take it out to the world. If you understand that, say amen. So on these two commandments, Hang everything else that you see in the Word of God. Let's keep going. If you understand all that, say amen. amen. So we've talked about what, what, why it's so hard to love and why it's so hard to really love because oftentimes we have a broken relationship with love. <clears throat> oftentimes we don't truly understand what love is. Go with me to 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 12 and then we're going to go back and read verse 1. 1 John 4 verse 12. How many of you guys getting something out of this so far already? Yeah, we go, we go hang out here for a little bit because, you know, guys, what we're talking about right now is it's, it's a huge chunk of the cornerstone of being a believer. So many people will say often, I hear what you're saying, Archie, but, but I don't know if I got the ability to love. Check this out. It says, no man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God, what? Dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected in us. God has the ability to dwell in me. How do I know that God is in me? Because I see it in your love walk. I hear it in your love talk. 
Sometimes in our relationships and our marriages, we think our spouses have demons because we do not hear or see love. We, we, we know you are a child of God. We know God dwells in you because of how you talk, because of how you walk. Now, understand, I'm not preaching just do, do, and doing. You, you, your doing doesn't earn you a place with God. That's Jesus did all that work. But your doing proves that you're in God and he's in you. You tell me you saved till you blew in the face. I'm watching how you walk and listening to how you talk. Well, you know that leader's a Christian. I'm, I'm watching, watching how he walk and listening to how he talk. Man, the Bible says not to judge. No, I'm judging some fruit. I am watching how you walk and listening to how you talk and will we'll behave and interact with you accordingly. I'm not going to treat you as this mature believer just because of how long you've been saved or say you've been saved because I'm a firm believer that if love is not evident in your life, I got to start questioning whether the Holy Spirit is indeed in there because the fruit of the Spirit is love. See, this thing can get very practical real quick. I've been saved for 35 years. Yeah, but you ain't loved for one of those. And I'm not trying to beat you up with it. It's just time to be honest with yourself. And if I am saved, back to what I said earlier, has, have I given Holy Spirit full run of my entire life? The other Christianese way we say that is, have you made him Lord of your life? Because maybe you are saved, but you've only given him 75% and you're keeping his other 25% just for you. But the main thing I want you to see out of this is God dwells in the believer. Now, somebody help me understand how much of God dwells in the believer. Some of them? 50% of them? Now, now, as far as you understand about God and just some scriptures that when you, when you say who God is, what are some of the characteristics or names or personages of a God that pop in your mind when you say who God is. Just yell them out. Like he's the king of kings. What else? Huh? He's, he's, yeah, he is love who is indeed patient. What else? What are some of the names though like of God? He's my provider. So provision lives in me. What else? He's Rafa. He's my peace. Victory. You said what? He's my healer. Healing is in me. Righteousness is in me. El Shaddai. El Shaddai. He's God with me. He, yeah, he, he's in me and with me. What else? He's my king. He's Elohim. Uh, peace is in me. What do we say? Healing. Power is in me. Everything is, every, everything is in me. Everything dwells in me. Think about that. I want you to really get this. Everything that I need is not coming to me is not available to me, is in me. It's like 
if you needed $20 and it's in my wallet, now don't run up here. <laughs> but I need you to understand it's in my wallet. The money is not coming to my wallet. I've already got paid. It's there. Whatever you need is already in you. It is up to you whether or not you are going to make the withdrawal. But because of pain, hurt, issues, we act like he's not there. Now, whether you make your withdrawal or not, whether you operate in him or not, whether you choose to act like a son and walk in love or act like a daughter and walk in love or not, he's still there. Your righteousness is still there. Your peace is still there. Your healing is still there. Your holiness is still there. Love still dwells in you. It's time for you to let love out. You need to let love loose in your life. First, so it can minister to you. I said first, so he can minister to you. You can't give what you don't have. You need to let his peace rule in your mind. You need to let his forgiveness operate in your life so that as a result, you can now give to others what you got. Because if they don't have him, this is how the world looks. And what you're doing is you're taking some of yours and you're sharing it with them and you're saying you know what I know you just cussed me out but I'm going to give you some love I'm going to share God with you today and as I keep making these love deposits in you you begin to see him and to know him because now you have experienced him in your life and the more love I'm giving to you and the more love I'm sharing with you, guess what? I don't have to worry because I never run out. I have a never-ending supply of love that he just continues to give me so that I can share with others. And as I'm spreading this love and sharing it with others, somebody say, you need to spread this love. No, as I'm sharing this love and spreading it with others, I am imprinting him on all of them. Not so they can get to know me, because this is him. I am now a distribution center for his love, for people who are bankrupt of the Father. And we as children of God, we are called to love. That's why Jesus said, love God. Connect to him so that you can love your neighbor because your neighbor doesn't have him. Your focus, if you're going to be a child of God and walk in love, should never be on you because you have a never-ending supply. This is what every Christian looks like sitting in this room right now. You're good. Now you need to understand what you got so you can operate in it. That's why you go to church. That's why you go home and study the Word. 
That's why you spend time with God. Because you learn what you got. You start relaxing and being at peace because now you realize I'm not spiritually broke or bankrupt so I don't have to be nervous no more. You know how it is when you got bills to pay and you ain't got no money? I know how it is when you got bills to pay and you ain't got no money. You can get a little anxious. You get a little nervous. You get a little upset. Why? Because you're afraid that you ain't going to have enough. And that's what many Christians do. They think they don't have enough of him to do what needs to be done. And you got all of him that you need. He dwells in you. So stop worrying. The son of God and the daughter of God don't worry because they know they got him. And if I got him, I got, as somebody said, everything I need. So now the focus begins to shift off of me because I'm good. And it shifts to the person who does not know him. And then I say, God, show me how to love them. That could be your spouse. It, like I said, it starts in your house. It starts at home. That could be your kids. That could be your girlfriend or your boyfriend. That could be your coworker. That could be whomever. But he will, he will, he will operate through you so that he can get himself to them. That's his goal. I said, that's his goal. We just studied that, uh, what were we looking at? Um, in Exodus, the children of Israel running from Pharaoh. And you read that story in this whole time, you think that it was just to get them away from Pharaoh. But then when you read the beginning of that scripture, uh, chapter and read at the end of that chapter, God said it like two or three times. I'm trying to get Egypt, that entire country, to know me. And he said, I'm going to use this Exodus so they can get to know me. I'm going to show up on your behalf and show out so they can get to know me. It's not to save you. You're good. I've already freed you. Think about it. He, he already freed them and made them rich. They left out with all that money and stuff, hands raised. They were good. But he said, I, I'm, not good. I'm not satisfied with just Israel knowing me. It was already grace in action way back then. You can see his plan. He was like, it's not good enough for just the Jewish folk to know me. It's not good enough for just the children of Israel to know me. I want Egypt to know me. So I'm going to use my children because my children should know me and know that they're good to save the rest of them. But children being children, acted like children, Moses, why you bring us out here? We should have just stayed back there. We should have just stayed. They literally said we should have just stayed slaves. Why? All because Pharaoh was chasing them. But God had already told them, I'm going to cause him to chase you so that Egypt, God, see, you, you got to get on that, get that like son of God thinking level. You looking at people and God is looking at nations. God ain't just trying to say you. He trying to say, he said Egypt. That's what is always on God's mind. It's not just you. He is love. So he's thinking about everyone. And the more I spend time with him, the more I spend time with his word, my thinking becomes more everyone than me just being the only one. 
But I'm not going to lie to you. It takes discipline, practice, spending time with him, studying the word. And then what happens is, is the more I let that word come on the inside of me, it changes the way I think. And then when I find myself in these situations, love can then come out. It's not good enough just to hear this uh, or listen to this today. You have to hear it and get it on the inside of your heart so that when it comes time to do it, you can actually do it. If you understand that, say amen. Man, y'all just getting all this overflow. Praise God. <laughs> I'm like, I got to finish this, get to the drink. Okay, let's go look uh, real quick uh, with our last bit of time here. Go look at... Uh, we're in 1 John already, chapter 4. Let's start with verse 1, and we're just going to read down because I want you to kind of see this so that when you go home and study, you can really study this chapter in particular even more. 1 John 4, 1. Let's look at this in the Message Bible. That's the good thing about studying the Word, too. You will start learning which versions are really good for just reading long blocks of Scripture and stuff like that, too. The message is really good for this. It says, my dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. Huh? Amen. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. Verse 2. Here's how you test for the genuine spirit of God. Everyone who confesses openly his faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came as an actual flesh and blood person, comes from God and belongs to God. Not just those who says he was a prophet. That ain't good enough. Because to say he was just a prophet denies his sonship, and if you deny his sonship, now all of a sudden you are not made righteous. He was God in the flesh, who was indeed a man, who became the perfect sacrifice for your sins and minds. And if you pull any of who he was or is away from him, all of a sudden his blood is not enough. That's why you got to be careful. Just, he was a prophet. Oh, they said he was a prophet. They believe in Jesus. No, they don't. Jesus Christ is who we're talking about. Because who he was is connected to what his blood could do. If you start taking pieces of that away, all of a sudden his blood doesn't qualify as the perfect sacrifice. And that tears apart the whole gospel of grace. It says, and everyone who refuses to confess faith in Jesus has, this is a very strong statement, no thing, nothing in common with God. Verse 4. This is the spirit of Antichrist that you heard was coming. Well, here it is, sooner than we thought. My dear children, who is this to? Who is it to? Yeah, his children. It's to Christians. My dear children, you come from God. You come from God and you belong to God. You have already won a big victory over those false teachers. For the spirit, where's the spirit of God? See, that's what I'm telling you. I, we're not, I wasn't making that up. You're children of God and he lives in you. And that spirit in you, the spirit of God in you, is far stronger than anything in this world. Poverty, sickness, strife, divorce, anything and everything, nothing is stronger than the God on the inside of you. 
These people belong to the Christ-denying world. They talk the world's language, and the world eats it up. But we come from God and belong to God. Verse 7. Anyone who knows God, understands us, and listens, the person who has nothing to do with God will, of course, not listen to us. This is another test for the telling of the spirit of truth from the spirit of deception. And that's what I believe is settled over a lot of Christians' minds is deception. They think they know something, and it's just like, that's not even what the Bible says. I mean, I know, I know a lot of Christians, especially nowadays, and I can't remember the technical name of the, uh, this religion that's popping up in a, for a lot of black folks, um, but it's just like the black Hebrew something. Uh, Y'all know what I'm talking about? What's that thing called? Yeah, it, I, it, it's, I can't remember the name, but it's like a lot of Christians, especially young black people, are falling into that, and I'm like, what? Like, read the Bible. Like, just look at it and read it. It's so clear. But a lot of people fall into deception. Let's keep going. My beloved friends, let us continue to do what? Love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. I'm going to read that again. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. As I am saved, I now have the opportunity to have a relationship with God, and love indeed is the fruit of that relationship. The person who refuses, see, that's the only way you won't love, is by refusal. To not love is to deny your very nature. You are designed to love. Believe it or not, you have to choose. Better yet, you have to refuse love. It's like love is standing there pleading with you, and you tell love, no. I don't want you. I want this. Now, many people over their lives have been deceived into thinking that love is not real. Definitely not the love of God. So they refuse it and reject it based on deception. But understand, love is there, love is available, and you literally have to refuse love. It says the person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God. Because God is love. Now, even if you refuse God, does he still love you? I said, even if you refuse God, does he still love you? Even if you reject him, does he still love you? Is his grace still available to you? Absolutely, and that's the good news. It's my prayer is always that one day that person will wake up and have a true experience with love and understand that they don't have to earn their way back into his good graces. He is always there waiting. So you can't know him if you don't know, or sorry, if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. Next verse. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God. This is not about what we did or do, but that he loved us 
and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins. Now here's the good news. He didn't just clear away your sins and the damage, the repercussions, the penalty, the punishment that they've done to our relationship with God. Jesus not only came to take care of your sins, he repaired the road between you and God. He repaired the connection between you and God. I don't know if you got direct TV in the room. I probably shouldn't have said their name. Uh, we have to edit that later. But as soon as a storm comes, you can forget about watching TV. If you ain't got some DVR or ain't got the app on your phone or something, what happens as soon as that storm, as soon as the clouds get too thick, that little error code comes up and says, lost signal. I don't care what you're recording. I don't care how close the game was. It, the, the storm don't care. And the signal is fragile. And it is subject to the storm. But I'm here to tell you that your signal between you and God is no longer subject to the storm. It's no longer subject to your sin. It's no longer subject to you. The blood of Jesus has shored up your signal between you and God. And now you have a permanent relationship between you and the Father who is indeed love. That's how much he loves you. Your signal is clear. So don't be deceived into thinking that you can't hear God. Oh, you can. You just have to make up your mind that you will heal him. Next verse. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we, this is what I wanted to get to. This is what I spent all night getting to this. If he loved us like that, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God ever, but if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us. And his love becomes complete in us. And this is known as perfect love. Love becomes perfected in you, not by you just sitting on love. Love becomes perfected in you as you go out and use it. The more you get yourself into situations, believe it or not, where people are unloving to you. See, it's not love if they're doing you right. Think about it. If they're doing you right, you're just being nice to each other. That's cool. That's good. I pray for that in your life every day. But it's not love until our condition to be unlovely comes up. It can't be unconditional love until some conditions come up. Then you get to prove who he is. A few of y'all getting that. If I walk through life and look for only the good stuff all the time. The people who go, I won't be around nobody who ain't gonna do me right, da, 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 da. You're about to miss an opportunity to show the love of God. I'm not going to that family event because every time I go, they start acting up and got something to say about me. Now, you're about to miss an opportunity to show the love of God. I don't want to, you know, go, go and be a part of that church because, you know, every time I come up, sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so got something to say about my kids. and You're about to miss an opportunity to show the love of God. 
I ain't getting her nothing for her birthday because she ain't getting nothing for my birthday. And I told her when we got married, birthdays were important to me. And so da da da, you're about to miss an opportunity. The condition is what makes it love. The challenge is what makes it love. I, I love this. Can I, can, I, can I give you this real quick? I, we were just on this um, marriage cruise with Pastor Mike and uh, Pastor Connie, and, and they said something about marriage that was so freaking awesome, and I want to, it, this is a perfect place for it. Uh, do, 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 do. Enjoy the beauty of married sex. Nope, not that one. Um, Hold on. Uh, yeah, it was a good cruise. It was a really good cruise. Amen. Uh, ah, here it is. To be married means to be locked into a lifelong fundamental disagreement. <laughs> to be married means making impossible commitments based on wrong understanding. To be married means being forced to discover your own ugliness in a high-intensity environment. To be married means to accept foolishness. Somebody's like, what the? I don't want to be married. To be married means to love. Through your foolishness, through our misunderstandings, I'm going to make this impossible commitment to you that I'm going to love you. Why? Because my love is going to be patterned off of what God did for me. And without him, it is not possible for me to do this. And every time I don't do it, it's just a reflection on the fact that my relationship with him has a crack in it. Me not loving you is not your problem. That's a relationship problem with me and the Father. I don't, I don't love you because you, shut up. It's not because of them. You not loving is a relationship issue with you and the Father that you need to go and deal with because a condition has been presented to you and everything is already in you to take care of that. But you are now not allowing it to flow because you ain't really trusting him. You signed up for that. I said, you signed up for that. And if you got saved, you signed up for it with your fellow man. Somebody said, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. Now you understand you did. But it's, somebody said, I don't want to be saved no more. Yes, you do. And this is, this is, this is all, this is all possible because you got him. That's why, that's why this, this performance-based Christianity is wrong. It will drive you insane trying to be all of this. Jesus already did it for you. You got God on the inside of you. Put the pressure on him. Peter told us what to do. Cast your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He's cared already for you. He's taking care of all that stuff. So when the burden, the love comes on you, whoa, that's a heavy one. I'm going to put that on God. I'm going to put that where I put the last one. She just cussed me out. I'm going to put that back on him. I trust that he can handle it. I saw him handle it last time. This is the first time I ever dealt with this, but I, I trust his word. And I just keep throwing it on him. 
Now, now sometimes in the natural, I may have to walk away to throw it on him because I'm about to cuss you back out. I'm about to throw the lotion back at you. Some of y'all ain't never had that happen when you throw stuff at each other. I remember one time, <laughs> one time we was throwing stuff. <laughs> y'all like, y'all threw stuff? Yeah, yeah, it happened. It happened. But we had this thing, it was this pride thing, you know, it was, it was, I, I forgot who threw it, but it was a lotion bottle. And it went all over the wall. It sat there for like six months. I was like, I am not cleaning that up. You threw that. Oh, I'm the only one to go through that? Okay, amen. <laughs> but, but when the condition comes up, it is an opportunity now to be love. And man, sometimes you're going to miss it. Sometimes you're going to make a mistake because it's still being perfected on the inside of you. But don't withdraw from being used by him. Don't, don't, don't sell yourself short. Don't rob your marriage of the opportunity to have God fully operating in it. Because I promise you, as you stay in there and continue to allow love to develop in you, one day you're going to wake up and see this perfect thing happening in your marriage, in your relationships, where there's this mutual honor and respect and love, and everybody's getting to be who they are, flaws and all. Even when we act foolish, it's, I'm still accepted. Even, even when things don't quite go right, the impossible commitment is still being made. Even when he don't pick up his clothes, you still, <laughs> he still finds a, a safe place to sleep at night. <laughs> Why? Because I, I just, I, I love you. Flaws and all. And, and God has given me enough of him to wrap my arms around you. I am his expression of love to you on this earth. So the last thing I want to do is withhold him from you. So even though I don't want to, I'm going to. Because who am I to withhold your God from you? What's love got to do with it? That's what I was hoping you would realize before the night was out. It got everything to do with it. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. So we're just going to keep working our way. Y'all see this is, this is big and heavy, so it's not something you can just... All right, that's the end of that. You know, what love's love got to do with it? Everything. Now, let's move on to happiness. Now, <laughs> this, this, we're just going to take our time making this really practical, and, and this was kind of just the introduction, if you will, to it. Uh, that's why we took a little extra time with it. Uh, but just to help us understand that we're loved so we can love. That's the bottom line. We're loved so we can love. And then don't run from the condition. Don't run from the condition. Uh, how many of you guys have been dealing with some conditions? Some things have popped up that, that haven't been so lovely. Raise your, don't, don't be afraid. Look, look around. Now, I want, I'm telling you that because I want you to know. Raise your hand and your feet if you got to. Now, look around. <laughs> You're not alone. You're not alone. The, you know, the church, as, as Christians, we, we deal with this stuff. But thank God we have the solution of him on the inside of us. So just a reminder, all you got to do is get out the way and stop refusing love to flow through you. 
and some great and mighty things are on the way. As a matter of fact, let me pray for you for that, especially our couples. Just raise your hands up right where you're at. Father, I just speak peace into every mind, into every life into every household in the name of Jesus. I come against deception, number one, and the spirit of strife, number two. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You have to go. We release love. Unconditional, agape, God love. Lord, you are the ruler, the umpire in all of our lives. And right now, I thank you, Father God, that tonight will be the best night that that couple ever has in the name of Jesus. This will be the best rest that they ever got, the best sleep that they ever got. And I thank you it's a new day in that household. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for it. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. I don't know who that was for, but I want you just to take that, receive it, and now run with it in the name of Jesus. Well, if you're in this room and uh, you don't know what, well, before I get to that, my bad, I'm all out of order. Uh, it's time to give. <laughs> Amen. Now remember, we don't give out of obligation, do we? No, the only thing I'm, I'm, only thing I'm obligated to do is love God. And that's why we give. We give as an expression of our love to God. Well, Archie, I hear what you're saying, but I kind of like those Old Testament scriptures. Well, you can, but they weren't written for you. Are you already blessed? Yeah. Like I said, you got everything already that you need on the inside of you already. So you're good to go, but you sow to honor God. You give, like Paul was talking about, to be a blessing to the body and to be a blessing in outreach. You tithe just like Abraham did. He was blessed and he tithed the tenth, not because of a law. It wasn't written. It was 430 years before it was even written. He tithed simply because he honored God. So as you give today, just give out of love. Get up, give out of honor. Give out of, and I, 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 don't, I don't have a better word at the moment, but just more out of duty of making sure that the lights stay on in the church, the outreach happens and things like that. That's, that's why we give. We give to make sure that stream continues to go out and people can hear the word and, 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 and that the mortgage gets paid so folks can show up and have a place to worship. Yeah, that's, it's okay to give because of that. We do it for our gyms. We do it for our other stuff, amen? God forbid your gym closed down because everybody didn't pay their dues. Well, we don't pay dues here. We just sow out of love. Amen? So if you're giving by text, you can do uh, just that. What's up on the screen? Or <clears throat> if you're um, needing to offer an envelope, they should already be in front of you in the pews. And as you sow today, sow in faith, knowing that all is well. Now you spell million, M-I-L-L-I-O-N. As you're right now, see, y'all laughing one day. There's going to be believers that says, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what God told me to do. Now, here's the good news. It's not about the fact, Leon, that they can, they, that, that we get a million dollars from somebody. It's the fact that they can give it. And they got more than enough. Because they've been such distributors of God's love that he says, I got to get that family more and more and more because they're spreading their love all over this world. They're building stuff for the kingdom. 
See, folks who've got money like that, trust me when I say, they're doing a lot for the kingdom of God. And so God continues to make sure they have more and more and more because they become distributors of his wealth. So I believe that for each and every one of you guys in here, that, you, that, that, that we are distributors of the wealth of God. And I thank God for the great wealth transfer beginning to take place in your life because you love him and because you honor him. And Father, as we take the seed even today and we sow it today, we, we do it in honor of you, not out of selfish purpose to try to get something, but just to be obedient because we love you. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory out and praise for the harvest that comes from this seed that is going into the ground. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Ushers, you may serve the people. Now, as you're in this room, really quickly, if you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to hurry up and come down to the front. Love is available to you, but you're kind of like that wallet that we show in that you don't have him in you yet. And he's available, but to experience all of who he is, you need to be saved. Also, if you're in the room and you might be already saved, but you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, what that's about is, is you can have God in you, but then not have God on you. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Power is the ability to get results. Power is the ability and the might of God on you to get things done. Oftentimes you try to do something uh, that God tells you to do, but you lack the power and then things don't happen. Well, for me, it's not just good enough to be saved. I want to be sure I can do what God has called me to do. So if that's you in this room and you want to receive that gift, you also can come down to the front. And last but not least, if you don't have a good church home, this is the best one I can think of for you. The one, if God has called you here. If God has called you here, don't wait, don't debate, don't hesitate. Join. And understand, you're not joining a person. You're not even just joining a body. You're joining a vision to see the gospel of grace preached all around this world, to see people get understanding and be empowered to change. That's who we're all about. So if that's you in this place, you can also come down to the front. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand for a brief moment, and I've called for three things. One is for salvation. One is for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The last is to join the church. Now, don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid if you're called to do any one of those things and you know you should come down. We all have had to make all three of those decisions at some point in time. If tonight's your night, we'll welcome you with open arms, not to embarrass you, but just to love on you. So uh, I want everybody to do me a favor. Just go to the person who's nearest to you. Ask them if they need prayer for any one of those things. If they say yes, help them come down to the front. We'll pray with and for them on tonight. Let's just do that real quick. Talk to those who are around you. And uh, sometimes people need a little extra help in doing what they know they should do. So just move around real quick and check with folks and make sure they're all good. see a lot of smiling faces. Are we all good? Amen. Oh, amen. Praise God. <laughs> amen. All right. Well, do me a favor. Just stretch your hands towards our sister. If anyone else wants to come and join uh, her as we're down here praying, feel free to. Father, we just thank and praise you for our sister right now, and we thank you for what she's come down to receive. Lord, we thank you that your love is uh, evident in all throughout her life. And we pray right now for what she came to receive, that she will receive it fully. And we'll give you all the glory out and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God another hand clap of praise. Amen.
You can do better than that. Come on, let's give him praise. Amen. Well, were you blessed by tonight's message? Amen. Well, guess what? Tomorrow night we'll be at the uh, South Church location over in Pearland. I love that little spot we got over there. It fits about, I think, like 40 or so people uh, in this little nice little hotel room we got. We get in there, man. We have a great time in praise and worship, and we preach live message. Uh, we have been streaming those uh, services. A lot of our uh, team here have been ministering the Word, and, man, they've been doing a wonderful job in ministering the Word on Thursday nights. Uh, I'll be out there live tomorrow night uh, continuing on with this message, so if you want to come on out and hang out with us, feel free to. Again, it's in Pearland at the, uh, what is it, the Sleep Inn? Uh, at the Sleep Inn, and uh, they got the details out at the communications desk, and I think it's online, too. Um, so come on out, check us out there, or you can go on the YouTube page and watch it live. It is at what time? 7 o'clock, yes. Uh, it's at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Uh, we'll be diving further into this message. So uh, just be praying for us and come on out and hang out with us. Well, raise your hands as we prepare to be dismissed. Father, we thank you for your love. You got everything to do with our lives. And we thank you that we're reminded of your love and our ability to operate in it as we walk through the conditions of life. May we be unconditional in sharing your love with others. Now unto him who is able to present us uh, faultless and to keep us, falling before the, keep us from falling before the almighty God. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Father, we thank you for all these things that we've learned on tonight. May we meditate on them and grow in them all throughout this week. In Jesus' name, we go from this place in your grace. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you guys so much. You are dismissed.